0: I'd like to invite the children to come forward. If you'd like to come and find a spot on an animal down here. And if you're watching online, you can come closer to the screen. I've got some things to show you here. come up? No. All right. I'm going to find a spot on a circle. I have a bag full of jewels. What do you think? Do they look like jewels? Let me see if I can find a couple to show you here. Here's a green one. Here's, uh, let's see, here's, a, here's an orange one. You see this one? Here is oh here's a big one. Here's a big pink one. Okay, so they're not really jewels. They're pretend jewels. But in our story, our Bible story this morning, we heard about a beautiful beautiful city. John of Patmos was having a hard time. And he was trying to encourage some people in some churches. And so he wrote them a letter and he told them about this beautiful city he had a vision which is kind of like a dream, but you're awake. And he had a beautiful a dream of a beautiful city. And in that city, um, it was a big city. There was no temple or no church, so God was just everywhere. I mean, God is everywhere anyway, but God was all all places. And there there was a wall around the city, but you know what that wall was made of? It was made of beautiful jewels. And there was a gate to the city, but the gate was always open. It was open to everybody and that city was a place where everybody was safe where God was always with them where there was enough food to eat and water to drink and everybody could just relax and enjoy being with God so we can't go to that city today because it was just a vision but we can try to work and make our church a little bit more like that city we can be welcoming to all people who come we can remind everyone that god is with us god is present with us always and we can share what we have with others so that they have enough as well will you pray with me god we thank you that you are always with us that you love us And that you want the best for all of us. Help us to make our church and our community a little bit more like that city that John talked about. Help us to be welcoming. And help us to share what we have. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you all for coming down. If you wouldn't mind helping me with the the dots, if you want to just pile them up, that would be helpful. Thank you. Would you pray with me? Oh God, may the words that I speak and the thoughts that we think be acceptable to you. For you are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. If you've been following our sermon series this summer, you'll know that our theme has been Rise and Shine. Beginning with the book of Genesis, we've looked at passages throughout the Bible having to do with light, with shining and with God's glory. And this week, we are wrapping up our series with the passages that Laura read from the book of Revelation. Now, when I realized that I would be preaching on this text, I did what any good preacher would do, and I tried to find out what other preachers have already said about it. You see, parts of the book of Revelation can be a bit, well, different. I don't think I'm alone in that thinking. Dr. Jan Love of the Candler School of Theology calls it weird. And in a sermon on this text, Barbara Brown Taylor comes right out and says she doesn't like the book of Revelation. She's never one to mince words, and she goes on to say, I don't even like people who like the book of Revelation. Since so many of them use it to justify their crazier ideas about God and scare other people with what they think they know. That's a fair point. But thankfully, the part of Revelation that we've read today shouldn't scare anyone, I hope not anyway. In fact, I think it is a message of hope. It is a vision of God's promised paradise and the coming new creation. And the hallmark of that new creation is a city, the new Jerusalem. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of paradise, I don't usually think of a city. I might imagine a beach somewhere, or a beautiful forest waterfall, or even a majestic mountain view, but a city, no. Cities are noisy and they are crowded. They're often dirty and smelly. And there are so many problems in cities. There are traffic jams that test our patience. There is crime that leaves us fearful. There's a lack of affordable housing that leaves people sleeping in tent communities or on sidewalk grates. Why would God's vision for our world center around a city? Well, perhaps one reason is that our God is a God of community. The God that we know in the three persons of the Trinity, parent, child, Holy Spirit, is by God's very nature communal. God in God's self is a community, three in one. And of course, this is the God that made us so that we could be in relationship with one another and with God. This is the God that loved us so much that God sent Jesus to be with us. And this is the same God who continues to be present with us through the Holy Spirit. Just prior to the verses that we read this morning, the author says, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, and they will be his peoples. God is a God of community. So perhaps it shouldn't be surprising that the vision of God's paradise in Revelation Is a community, a city. But this isn't just any community. This isn't a brand new urban planning project or an exclusive gated community. In the words of Bible scholar Eugene Boring, God does not make all new things, but God does make all things new. This is a Jerusalem made new. This is a place of violence and ruin that will be redeemed and transformed into a place of peace and prosperity. This new Jerusalem will have no temple because God will be the temple. God won't be hidden behind walls or accessed through priests or mediators because God will dwell with the people. And the residents of the city won't just be made up of one small nation or one tribe, but the city will be large enough to include many peoples. Indeed, this new Jerusalem will will shine so brightly that all nations will be guided by its light, and they will bring their glory into the city. The gates of the city will never be shut. Of course, in biblical times, cities shut their outer gates as a form of protection. When the gates were closed, they could control who came in and who went out, and they could keep themselves safe from their enemies. But in this city, in the New Jerusalem, the gates will never be shut during the day. And guess what? There will never be night. They will always be open. The city will have a river with a crystal clear water flanked on each side by a tree covered in fruit that will bear fruit all year long. And the leaves of the tree will provide healing for the nations. In other words, this paradise city will be characterized by abundance where there's plenty of food and where healing can take place. This new Jerusalem will be a place of connection and safety and radical inclusivity, in the words of one commentator. It will be a beacon of hope to all people. It's a wonderful vision, isn't it? It sounds like a beautiful place to be. And yet, I have to admit that it's hard to know what to do with this vision. It feels a little bit like pie in the sky. It reminds me of when I was in kindergarten and I had to tell my best friend that I was moving away. I was trying to be very adult about it, and so I said, well, I have some bad news and I have some good news. The bad news is that we're moving to another town. The good news is that I'm going to be living closer to my great-grandma. And my friend looked at me and she said, well, that's not good news for me. How is this future New Jerusalem good news for us? Sure, it might be good news for future us. It's something to look forward to in the great by and by. But how is it good news for us in the here and now? How is it good news for a world that is still reeling with a lethal pandemic that just won't quit? How is it good news for a world where climate change is killing off polar bears and manatees and causing heat waves and wildfires and flooding? How is it good news for the couple going through a divorce or the person who just lost their job or the individual who is struggling with depression? How is the new Jerusalem good news for us right now? Well, maybe it is helpful to remember that John's prophecy about the New Jerusalem wasn't only meant to be a hopeful vision for the future. In the words of Eugene Boring, the indicatives of biblical theology always contain an implicit imperative. The gift becomes an assignment. Let me translate that. In other words... John's vision of the New Jerusalem is something that the Christian community is meant to work toward, to embody. The God of community who has called us into community also calls us to live out the values of the New Jerusalem in the here and now. If God's paradise city is meant to be a place of connection and safety and radical inclusion, then so is the church. If it's meant to be a place of abundance and healing, then so is the church. If the new Jerusalem is meant to be a beacon of hope to all people, then so is the church. The gift has become an assignment. This past week, my uncle called me he told me that his friend was in hospice care here in Nashville, and he asked if I could go by and see him. My uncle lives out of state, and he wasn't going to be able to, see, to make it here before his friend was expected to pass away. I already knew his friend because I had led a memorial service for the friend's young adult son a couple of years ago. For my uncle's friend, losing his son was one more horrible tragedy tragedy in a life that was filled with tragedy. He had experienced homophobia and religious trauma, broken relationships and addiction, other diseases. So I went to see him. All of his family had already left town and he was alone. And he didn't wake up when I entered the room. But I knew that hearing is one of the last of the senses to go. So I decided to talk to him. And I told him how much my uncle wished that he could be there with him. I told him that my uncle loved him. And then I told him that God loved him unconditionally. As I left the hospice, I wondered how that man's life might have been a little different if he had grown up in a community of faith that loved and accepted him for who he was. I wondered how his life might have been different if the church had been for him a place of safety and healing and a beacon of hope rather than a source of rejection and shame. Of course, there's no way to know. I can only pray that in his final hours, all he heard were words of love and all he experienced was hope and peace. Friends, my deepest prayer for us is that we can continue to be a community of connection and safety and radical inclusion My prayer is that when people are struggling, when they have been hurt by other people or by religious institutions or just by life, that West End United Methodist Church might be a beacon of hope, a place of healing, a sanctuary of peace. Of course, we can't magically fix everything that's wrong in the world, and we can't make everything right for everyone. But as much as we are able, we can embody that vision of a new Jerusalem in real and tangible ways as we celebrate God's presence, as we love and serve others, as we seek justice and resist evil, as we proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, who is our judge and our hope. Friends, we serve a God of community, a God who promises a future of connection and safety and radical inclusion, a God who promises a future of abundance and healing, a future of hope and peace. May we, as a community of faith, live into that future, into that good news as we live the loving light of Christ today and always. Amen.